Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and I can't help but look at our guest. He saw a boy at a party, kissed on your dad, and made sure you weren't bored to tears this past year. Please welcome to the mic, Milo. Hello. Welcome to the party. Thank you. Stoked to be at a party for once. Oh my God, right? Yeah. How you doing, babe? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm waking up. I'm living the dream. It's 11 a.m. on the West Coast. Oh, yes. <laughs> I fully forgot. Uh, we're recording this on Memorial Day. I fully forgot today was a holiday. Harlem has not forgotten today is a holiday. So there's a party on the block if we want to go. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I was invited to a beach hang Ooh. later, a Twinkie beach hang. So I don't think LA has forgotten either. Not specifically Twinkie, just the, it, the person who invited me is Twinkie. <laughs> got it got it got it got it i was like specific twink beach hang no i wouldn't yeah that'd, that'd be a bad move sorry <laughs> i would not go to a specifically twinkie beach hang <laughs> it was like just a bunch of fire kindling just hanging out <laughs> rub two Ex- twinks together start a fire exactly exactly babe let's just jump on in i love to jump it is an excellent activity are you did you jump rope or um, you know, I did some double dutch back in the day, like second grade. I think I, I, re- I recall like learning some of the, the chants and stuff. Were you a Disney Channel original movie kid? Um, what defined that? Like, did I watch the Disney Channel movies? Yeah, of course. did of you course. love them? Of course. Go Brink. Go Brink. Oh, my first crush. Yeah, such a hottie. Such a hottie. But didn't they do a Corbin Blue one about jump rope specifically? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fuck, what was it called? I don't remember. It was probably like Jump In or something. I think that is actually what it was. <laughs> Just something specific. Jeez. Yeah. Because we'll, we'll think back on those, and I feel like so many of the Disney Channel original movie like tropes from the early 2000s were uh-huh. like, do you play sports or are you gay? It's mm-hmm. like <laughs> Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off. Right. Uh, ryan in high school musical <laughs> like they have so many numbers where they're like well you might you might do a gay activity or you might be straight that's so funny yeah i never thought about that i actually know this guy who did like some of the music for 
High School Musical. Uh huh. His name escapes me right now, but he, I was like, oh yeah, what was it like to write all that music? And he was like, you know, Disney's obviously a corporate machine and whatever. He was like, I don't even remember writing those songs. I just know that we like went in and we just like cranked out song after song after song after song, and somehow they made it in, into the musical. <laughs> they just like put them in a dark room, feed them, treat them really nicely, but they have not seen the sun. They don't know what time it is. Yes. One of those. That's how to get the best work out of a songwriter. That's how you do it. That's what I heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do that to myself. Yeah? Dark rooms? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Milo, when did you when did you start realizing that you were, like, a musical little little person? A musical little person. Um, I'm 5'7", so I okay. am little to some degree. Some, some could say. Um, so I realized that very early on when I, when puberty stopped, um, the musical aspect, my parents like had me in lessons very young, like doing piano, uh, in kindergarten and then like band in middle school, I played the alto saxophone. And then, um, I never really thought I could sing until I, so I would always like joke sing in like weird voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just like singing at lunch one day and I very distinctly remember this girl, Alex Bell, and she was like, you can actually sing. So like, why are you pretending that you can't? And I was like, I can? And I was like, oh, LOL, like, what's that about? So that was kind of a, that was the big moment. There actually was a significant moment of realization there. I love those moments in life where somebody like just calls you on shit like that, where they're totally. like, I don't know why you're acting like you can't do this. Just go do it and it always feels like you get like hit with a baseball bat you're like oh shit i'm caught kind of i mean it sent it clearly sent me down like a a years long long path (laughs) yeah one day at lunch in high school so did you just start writing music or were you did you like do theater and then find your way into creating your own stuff i never did theater as a kid oh i did one show the laramie project in 12th grade for oh my I, god! For which I won a high school <laughs> acting award at my, at my high school. <laughs> wow! What what a one show to do! What a one trick pony! <laughs> yeah, one my one trick pony is doing an ensemble show with lots and lots of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I never did theater. Uh, I started writing. I actually just found these like old old songs that I wrote in fourth grade for like my table in fourth grade class. I really liked all the kids in it. And I, I don't even know why I was writing music for us, but I like started to write songs for us. And I had given us a, a band name, the Blue Funky Monkeys. And I, mm. I wrote like, I wrote some songs for us to like sing through. I don't think we ever did, but I was looking back on those recently and I was like, there is some like song structure here. There's rhyme. There's like, there's some raw talent in this, in this nine-year-old's version of me. But I, I really started writing when I was like 15 I don't really know what the impetus was. I guess it was just that my inspirations, like the people that I listened to, like Jason Mraz and Ingrid Michaelson and Sarah Bareilles and Beyonce were all just like really connected to being writers of their own music back then. So I think I just was like, let me take a stab at it. And I remember my older brother had invited one of his friends over and they were like making out with these two girls. And I was so sad and gay. I was like, I'll never make out with a boy in high school. And so I just started, started writing on that. It wasn't true. I did make out with boys in high school. But at the time, I felt like I, I wouldn't. So I, I wrote about that. Well, that's nice. Day. Yeah. Back back in the day. Back there was the like day. There was like this big shift in music from 
to just like solidify that artists are writing their own music because I feel like Mm -hmm. late nineties pop was very like there were just known teams that write music for people and Mm -hmm. like few artists were like writing their own stuff. And then I felt like there was a huge shift where it's like, Oh yeah. Like I do the whole thing. It's all me kind Mm -hmm. of vibes. Which yeah. is fun in its own way. It is. I think still in those like late nineties, early thousands, you kinda like Alanis Morissette or Jewel or Fiona Apple, like you had strains, Nirvana, mm-hmm. strains of, of people writing in sort of the left of pop genres, but specifically in pop. Yeah, you're right. Like Britney or InSync or Backstreet Boys, like they had teams writing their songs. I think it's sort of just like that. I don't really know exactly where that pivotal turn came where the audience expected the artist to write all their songs. I think it might have just been like lack of knowledge on the part of of people listening to music that like music is created in a sort of team setting. But I think it also just like feeds into this American myth of like rugged individualism or like the one person's like genius being able to accomplish everything. I think that's like a very powerful American myth and ideal. So it makes sense that people would expect an artist to make everything which is like not true in any medium like even in visual art like artists have studios just like artists have songwriters right like it's hard to describe to someone who's I guess not in the field but Mm -hmm. like when people say that they do it all on their own what they're really saying is they have like six or seven other jobs within the same umbrella that they're very good at like, yeah, you could be an incredible songwriter and know nothing about production. You can totally. be a great producer and can't write a song to save your life. Like, totally, totally. And there are people who do who do it all, and those yeah. people are crazy. I'm sure there are a lot of fun at parties. Yeah, I'm sure they have a lot to discuss working alone all the time. <laughs> we should invite them to this party specifically. Yeah. We'll we'll go we'll see him at the twink party on the beach. <laughs> oh no, I've really buried myself in a in, in, a, in a hole by with, with that with that uh with that unexact description. I mean, I would I would be there if I was on the west coast. So I'm not I'm no saint. I'd be at the twink party on the beach too. <laughs> oh wow. Um. So your friend was like, you can sing, you can do this. Mm -hmm. And then you start writing little songs. What was your journey to becoming the pop star that you are now? (laughs) Uh, Graduate high school, I went to Penn. I like started to do um, open mics because I had played, I'd learned to play guitar and ukulele and I started to do open mics there. And I was like, fuck, I need to get out of here ASAP. So I graduated when I was like 20 and then I moved back to L.A. I was interning at a, at a studio, um, Jim Henson Studios for a producer, just like sitting in on a lot of sessions with like amazing iconic writers, specifically like Priscilla Renee, who is so insane. Like she wrote Timber for Kesha. That's like probably her, her biggest hit and worth it for Fifth Harmony. And just oh, like fierce. watching sort of like the workflow of of songwriters there like really informed the way that I would sort of go about working in the industry so then I just was like writing for other people um in LA and then I moved to Nashville for three years I was writing for other people there like 
to little success. And then I was like, so sick of the thing. The thing about like songwriting for other people is that you're like your income, your music based income and your success are based on other people having the, um, what is the word? Having the wherewithal to release the song. So it's like a really disheartening part of the industry because you're reliant on other people. So I just started to put out my own music. So I was like, yo, fuck this. I just need to get music out there and started performing and just started collecting fans on the internet who I just like to talk to because <laughs> they're cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know that I moved back to LA and I'm still writing for other people. I just helped Zolita finish her album, executive produce that. I've been working with Dorian Electra recently um hopefully some songs come out there and then just like releasing my own stuff and touring a lot the uh, last couple of years so that's kind of the synopsis the cliff here. notes the spark notes all the notes did you grow up in la yeah i did oh okay so you're back home yeah yeah west coast best coast honestly yeah 100 percent. 100 p i mean i'm from oregon so oh nice i'm on the top end of that but i want to go there so bad it's a it's a blast on glass. It's my favorite favorite place. Wait, where in Oregon are you from? I'm from a suburb of Portland. Okay, sick, sick, yeah. sick, sick. So, depends on if if you have no idea where Oregon is. I'm like I'm from Portland, and if you do know where Oregon is, I'm from Hillsboro. Okay, yeah, one of I'm those. Portland, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you create and make things, are you? Are you more of a team sport kind of person or are you truly the like lock myself in a room? Um, that is a good question. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a team sport person. Question mark. Definitely when I'm as a song, when I'm songwriting for other people, I'm a team sport person. Like I want to have a producer. I want to have the artist. I want it to be like three people in the room and I want everyone to have like a big say in how things are being made. Um, Right now, I'm like I'm working on an album. A lot of my songs have been made in a team sport setting, but right now I'm working on an album. And I'm kind of just working with my friend Christian Fiore, who's my producer and, and co-writer on like all the songs that are gonna come out pretty much uh, after July. Um, so I've I've tried to kind of scale it back just to solidify like a really cohesive sound. The thing that the thing about working in teams when you're working in a lot of teams is sometimes like the cohesiveness of your own sound can get away from you. Yeah. And other people's ideas of what are good can sort of infiltrate your own, which is amazing because a lot of the times, like, <laughs> then you make a way better thing. Um, but right now, like, the way, I'm, the way I'm working is, like, pretty pretty insular. Like, I've kind of stopped working with other people besides Christian for, like, I, I'd say probably the next month or two. Well, and it's like a delicate balance, right? If you have too many people around you telling you like, this would sound good this way or that way, it's easy to lose what you liked about it in the first place and why you wanted to create it. And then sometimes I feel like when that happens to me, I end up with a final product that I'm like, did I make this? Who, sure. Who wrote this? Like- 100%. And sometimes that's great. Sometimes you end up with a, with a song that you're like, okay, this isn't 100% something that... I mean, the great thing about collaborating people is that you do make something that you would, never would have made alone. Like, that is the joy of it. And I think that there's something nice about having distance from your work in the, crea- yeah. in, in the creative process. Like, it's it's hard to create something when you're like, okay, this has to be me. 
or whatever. And so like having other people in the room to just be like, let's have fun or let's write something that's just like amazing and not have to worry so much about every line representing yourself. You're still, you know, you are the through line in your own art. So no matter what, it's because it's coming from you. It is, it is something you wrote. <laughs> that's beautiful. That was a beautiful statement. Thank you. <laughs> I like that a lot. No, yeah, it's hard. Uh, making things is is a interesting space to be in. It is. It is. It is. It is. So I know that you have taken to the TikTok over the pandemic. Yeah, here and there for sure. Here and there, I have decided that's my generational divide. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't partake. Um, but in doing things like that, like TikTok, and you are very open in talking with your your fans and stuff. Yeah. Do you find, I guess, the marketing part of it just as fulfilling as creating, or is it just kind of draining as a solo artist? No, I gotta say, like marketing, I do not like. I like talking to my fans. Yeah. <laughs> I like talking to people who've discovered my music, or I'm not like having to fucking market myself to them. You know, like they already know what's up. They like follow me on Instagram. They know I'm like kind of goofy. They listen to my songs, so I, I like that aspect of it. But the whole the whole marketing. Um, Thing. My, my friend Chaz Cardigan, he, on Twitter yesterday, we, we are kind of of the same ilk in that, like, we find some of the social media stuff, like, it's fun and, and just exhausting, but he was just saying, like, it feels like we're in an area era where the people who are, are the most shameless about being online all the time are the ones who are going to be the ones who cut through, mm-hmm. which doesn't always produce the best art or artist, which is fine. Sometimes it, it really does, which is amazing, and I love that. But yeah, I, I kind of find I definitely find TikTok exhausting. I, I find like the algorithms of of like having to be online all the time and producing content all the time just really bad for art and artists. Like, there's no way to be constantly creative in a way that's fulfilling. Yeah really really burns you out so like i don't post that much on my instagram feed i like mostly just post on my stories and luckily most of my fan base is is there right now but tiktok and like trying to cultivate a fan base there is exhausting 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 even though it is the best app for discovery buy new fans that's true i mean it's just like this thing Constant creation is exhausting and no matter what, it dulls what you're making, in my opinion. So it's like, even in the comedy world, like, okay, so now your expectation, especially over the past year to quote unquote, stay relevant, is to know how to write, film and direct things that are funny, Mm -hmm. frequently enough that people know who you are, but also, by the way, you're doing it for free. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's just like this never-ending circle of like, it's really oh yeah, insane. I've worked every day for the past six weeks and uh, yeah. no money, but like I got 22 likes is not a thing. It's not a real thing. Yeah, honestly, one thing that I do with my fans is I'm like, <clears throat> yo, this is like how much Spotify pays us. This is how much we don't get paid. Like, I try to inform the audience of, of the of how, like not lucrative some of the things that we have to do are. A lot, a lot of times when I tell people how much, how much streaming pays, they're like, "Oh, well, then let me like support you and send you money." So, pro tip: keep your fans 
in the in the know about how much major corporations do not pay. <laughs> and put your Venmo in your bio. And put your Venmo in your bio, baby. <laughs> put your cash app in your bio. Whatever. Just put it in your bio. <laughs> um, what is your favorite thing about being a queer artist? Um, my favorite thing is just about being an artist more than about being a queer artist. But I just like, I like that I have sort of a vehicle to express my self. And I can sort of just like tap in and let things go and have the like the skill to say how I feel. That would be my favorite thing. I guess my favorite thing about like being a queer artist. Gay. Oh, is, by the way, uh, we're both gay. I don't know if uh we're both gay. I don't know if the audience sick. knows. <laughs> I think they know, babe. Um I th- I think my favorite thing is uh I don't know. It's cool to like actually connect with your fans in a, in a way that's deeper than just like, oh, here's like a love song. It's like, you know, like being queer and openly queer and, and making queer art. It's like your audience is going to connect on like a whole different level of like feeling seen mm-hmm. and not just like, wow, I feel so seen by that song about that breakup. Like, uh, I had a breakup. It's like, I feel really seen about that song about coming out because I almost killed myself because I didn't. Yeah. So there's just like a, I guess like a layer of, of connection about survival that like feels intense yeah i think there's a great levity in your music of that balancing act and then like the fun kind of quirky things that exist because we're gay is great to listen to and be able to identify to in a way that's like you said not like listening to something and being like well the the songwriter like didn't use pronouns so like i can infer that this is maybe gay and for me (laughs) totally (laughs) totally yeah i'm very like pro using pronouns i mean more and more actually i'm I'm, like question i am questioning it more i have to say i think as i learn more about gender and sexuality and like what i'm and the types of people that i'm attracted to and and all that stuff and the people in my own community i'm like okay is like he the most inclusive pronoun that I can use, actually. <laughs> True. Fair. So, but definitely, like, the past five years, I'm like, okay, yeah, definitely use he pronouns. You can actually hear some of my early work, like, in my South EP that I made in Nashville. Like, I'm not using male pronouns. Um, I'm also not using female pronouns to describe someone I'm in love with. But, like, at that time, I was, like, thinking about it. And then in my next release, Be My Baby, I was just like, fuck it, like... <laughs> this is real this is me this is real this is me well you also get to you unlock that and you get to write however you want to write and then totally you get to make whatever you want to make without this like pretend veil that we were told has to exist in the entertainment industry for totally. so many years totally 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 so milo you're a little bit goofy creative <laughs> love to write make some bops i love to write babe babe i just love writing things down lists oh my God, songs <laughs> i love having a little list i love checking off my to-dos do you really <laughs> yeah i fucking love it <laughs> i live for it in my in my little journal every like monday i'll have a new to-do list and i'm like what do i have to do keep myself on track la titty ta <laughs> Well, I think that's a great lead into why are you like this? Hey there. Ever dream of making your own podcast? 
Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. First, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Why are you like this? Oh my god. Oh my god. Why am I like this? The way I am? Yeah. Mm, that's big. A lot of factors go into my the, the creation story. This is true. It could be anything. You could say anything and I'd go with you. I'll say I'm like this because of my mom. Mom. <laughs> Probably my dad. <clears throat> But I think my mom's really in tune with her like emotions and is able to communicate pretty coherently how she feels to people. Mm-hmm. She taught me a lot of good communication skills when I was young. So I think that's kind of informed me. And then, okay, that's reason number one. Reason number two, like growing up on a strict diet of like of shows that told you to follow your dreams at all costs. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, you follow your dream. That's the best thing you can do, which is like, Truly a psychotic idea. Yeah. Yeah. When when you break it down, it's very crazy. (laughs) It's insane. Like, I do think, yeah, definitely dream big. It's so weird. Like, looking back on those Disney shows, it's like, hey, follow your dreams. But the only dreams we're going to show you are dreams in the entertainment industry is insane. Right? Because then it says that anything else outside the entertainment industry is not a dream for somebody. Right. It's like, okay, here's Camp Rock. here's, Here's Hannah Montana. Like... Like, even that chef show, wasn't he, like, a chef on television? Yeah, he was, like, in a million-dollar cook-off. It wasn't even just, like, I want to cook right at the restaurant near my house. Yeah, no, that shit is insane. So definitely, like, steady diet of, like, propaganda for being in the entertainment industry um, is why I'm I'm pursuing, probably what I'm pursuing, like, subconsciously. And um, what else? I don't know. Intense need to connect. I think those are all really lovely things, and... Hell yeah. Definitely great things to make an artist. We need a nice bit of uh, healthy delusion. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's definitely healthily delusional. <laughs> well, you have to believe in something that can grow and build that hasn't been made before. I think in, in any field, you have to have a healthy bit of, I guess, delusion to make something new. Yeah, I'm kind of getting to the point, I guess, with my delusions where I'm kind of like scaling them back, which sounds not great, but it's also like I'm just taking a lot of comfort in like my ability to create and getting to a point recently, like just this year where I'm able to support myself on what I create. And so I'm just like, okay, yeah, that feels I feel less deluded. (laughs) Yeah. And practical and when whatever. So but I'm just like, ha- I'm, I am really happy with like where I'm at and my fans and my, and, and their supportive vibes. I'm like, okay, like what the hell? This isn't delusional. Right. You, I mean, we get certain markers that are like, oh, this is a thing. This isn't just in my head. This isn't just right. an idea that I have. Like totally. it, is, it is something that people want. Right. And by the way, if it is just in your head, that's also fucking rad. Yeah. Who cares? who cares like do it for you i think no matter what if you make anything by yourself once in your life 
you'll be a better person for the rest of your life. Yeah. So make a mar- macaroni noodle noodle painting, please, everybody. Oh my god! I hope that comes back. <laughs> it never left. It truly never left. I just <laughs> I just don't own any at the current moment. You know. <laughs> So I'm just thinking about more decor for my house. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I'll send you one, honestly. Oh, thanks, babe. I've got original. I've got piles. I'll, I'll, you know what I'll send you? I'll send you an NFT macaroni noodle art. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I've never felt so touched than in that moment. Thank you so much. What music was playing in your house when you grew up? Um, <clears throat> My parents really deferred to us, even though they had like, my dad had lots of like funk and stevie wonder vinyls but we didn't have like anything to play the vinyl so my parents just deferred to us and we would like listen to radio disney and listen to kiss fm which are like the pop stations for kids Mm -hmm. and adults but you know we would just listen to pop music i remember like having an in-sync cd and like blasting that with my brothers i i vividly remember seeing like the um Fuck, what was what's the Britney video with the red cat suit? Oh, uh oops, I did it again. Yeah, I vividly remember seeing that as like a five year old on the television in the living room and being like, Oh my god. Change the game. Honestly, re- revolutionary, iconic piece of clothing. Um <laughs> so pop honestly pop music. As like a that. kid played in the house. We um so my parents are like super young. Um, Mm -hmm. so when I was a child, they were in their twenties. So, whoa, like early twenties. Yeah. So they had me when they were 21. So that's crazy. So like the crossover of music is funny to me, especially as like the nineties trend comes back because some of it I'm like, oh yeah, my parents really liked that album. Right. And it was not that long ago. Are they technically millennials or no? No, no. Uh, I don't know. I think they're Gen X. They're Gen X. Oh I my god. Think. Yeah. I can't imagine having parents only 21 years older than me. That's so sick. It's a lot of fun. Uh I'm sure they had a very different experience of life than I'm having, but like right. we get to go do everything and like have a good time with it, if that makes sense. Like my parents come to visit New York and I don't have to like worry about them walking too much at this point, like right. Things like that. Oh my god, that's so crazy. When you were like 21, they were 42 yeah that's so sick (laughs) (laughs) um what was your first concert um like taylor swift actually (gasps) oh you lucky lucky bitch i believe i believe it was taylor swift and then almost immediately lady gaga okay so you were set up for success (laughs) i was set up i didn't have a choice i didn't have a choice but to do this yeah i vividly remember taylor swift i think i took my friend tatum who was on the cheer team And then my friends Amelia and Laura came as well. Um, But I remember like Taylor Swift pausing for like five minutes just to soak up applause. And I was like, this bitch, like, please just play your songs. I don't need to hear these like screaming, screaming kids for you for five minutes. She was literally just like stood in the center of the stage, looked around for five minutes. I was like, Taylor, play me, play Love Story. Play Love Story. Stop, stop fucking... So can have applause. I want to hear your genius. God, she's. I could talk about her for days. She rocks. She's, she's excellent. <laughs> she's just so smart. Yeah. And then Gaga. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gaga was amazing. 
I'm gonna see so Gaga good. for the first time in August. I'm very excited. Damn. Yeah. It's gonna be so good. Is it on Chromatica on the Chromatica tour? Yeah. <clears throat> that is so sick. I, I wanted to see her in twenty <clears> twelve. <throat> she like broke her leg or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Her like hip. <clears throat> yeah, she broke her hip and had to stop touring. And I was like, dev- obviously devastated. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. She, she's she's a goddess. Goddess. My first concert was John Mayer. Nice. And Maroon 5 opened for him. <laughs> that is so silly and toxic. <laughs> it was like their songs about Jane era. And it was very Pacific Northwest where we were in like an outdoor amphitheater. Wow. Birkenstocks dancing with my mom to John Mayer. Whoa. Okay, Songs About Jane is amazing. Great Incred- album. Incredible work. They took a weird turn. First two albums, great. They they just, they just decided, and I guess they were right, like, hey, we can be the biggest pop band. Hold on. <clears throat> Sorry. We can be the biggest pop band in the world. Yeah. And so we will be. And they still, I feel like they still are. I can't blame them, but... That first album stands ripped. on its own still to this ripped, day. Ripped, ripped, ripped. Yeah, and John Mayer rocks. I saw him in concert recently. I remember that first Maroon 5 album definitely being kind of sexual awakening to me, being like, oh really? my god. Well, yeah, I I mean, he's hot as fuck, but also he's I'm so like hot. sitting in the back of the car being like, wait, do I want him to fuck me? How old were you? <laughs> I was not. No, I was like, uh, <laughs> like fourteen. Oh um, my god! The bottom awakening via Adam Adam uh, Levine. Via Adam Levine. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, is songs about Jane not on Spotify? I'm like scrolling through Young Spot right now. It's oh, probably singles and EPs. Hold on, hold on. It has to be. Yeah, it here has we go. Two thousand and two. This yeah. love. This love, uh, the first time I swore in front of my mom, I was singing along to that album. I, my sister and I were very good at not swearing as uh, <laughs> it happened in music. Yeah. And I remember my mom distinctly like paused it and then asked me if I swore or like what I said. <laughs> and I responded to her like, not fit to fucking tread the ground that I'm walking on. And then we just kept driving. <laughs> it was a very strange moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, it's amazing because as a child, you think your parents actually care right. about that shit. At least oh. mine. My dad did, I guess, but my mom was like, whatever. I was the kid that got in trouble a lot because during the like burn CDs for your friends phase of life, uh-huh. um, I would put like Ludacris on there, like uncensored. Yeah. Um, and I'd be like, this is a song, like a CD of songs I like. And then <laughs> kids' parents would be like, ah. Uh, no. No, don't bring that into my home please don't bring that into my house that's so funny and weird and just like american very like very american i'm looking at this songs about jane album like sunday morning is an insane song to me just because it i like i was a big acapella nerd i didn't do theater but i did acapella okay and i feel like every acapella tenor would like come in and sing that as an audition song sunday morning just like very in the mask, very uh, rounded sound. Sunday morning. Know. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
very weird vibes. That that's that's that song to me was just overtaken by acapella nerds, and I'm sure that it has 330 million streams on Spotify. I'm sure 325 of them are from acapella nerds. So I have to know more about this acapella journey. Tell me yeah. about it. What happened? How did it start? Why weren't you on the sing off? Like I need to know <laughs> everything. Uh, it actually was so weird. Um, honestly, weird, weird, weird rags, but, um, no, my high school had a really amazing acapella group, like one of the best high school acapella groups in the country. Um, for sure. Like we were on, uh, like I think ICHSA, not that we didn't do the competition, but they were like compilation CDs of fucking high school acapella groups. And we were on it and it was like a really competitive group at my high school. So, like, a lot of my high school singing was focused around being in acapella. And we had a psychopathic teacher. <laughs> like, a teacher who loved to bully kids. Oh, like, great. actively bullied kids such that, like, they left school and switched schools. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. No, insane that the administration, like, neglected to do anything about it. But, um, yeah, we were like rehearsed three times a week for two hours. We did a competition in LA called LAAF, Los Angeles Acapella Festival at UCLA. It was just called Laugh. Yeah. And we actually like won, we actually won a clinic with the Pentatonics, like right after they won the sing-off. So we got to like learn from them, which is weird and wacky and cool. And then I did like acapella in college for, for a couple of years as well. And then I was like, I can never, ever do this again. It is so insane to be a part of a group of 15 people who all want to have a solo. That That is acapella. It's so That's wack. all I know from it from the outside. <laughs> yeah. It's a bunch of people pissed that they have to sing the lower third harmony. Like, sure. that's what I imagine when I think of acapella. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, like, really disorienting for me in, co- in college because in high school, it wasn't like that. It was like, okay, we have to make the background sound insane. We have to get the choreo right, whatever. It was, like, really detail-oriented. And then in college, it was like, okay, everyone has a solo. We're learning 15 songs. And I was like, whoa, guys, this is so many songs. What the hell? So weird. I mean, that must have done a lot of education for your ear, at least. It actually did not. Oh, no, it ruined it. <laughs> no, it didn't ruin it. But, like, there's something about group singing that, like, like if I was like, talking to a kid right now and they were like, yeah, I want to do, I want to be a singer when I grow up, I'd be like, don't do group singing. I think it, like, really, like, erases a lot of individuality from people's voices and, and leaves them kind of behind. Whereas, like, solo singing is really going to help you with your musicality and your ear in terms of like actually singing a song there obviously is like sort of like the harmony harmony stuff that you can learn from acapella but really weirdly did not inform me that much because it was so much like reading music and just singing the part yeah taking out all personality and blending yeah well i mean also just like the part is given to you because it's sheet music as opposed to like you like having to pick out the parts Mm mm-hmm do you know what I mean? So for me, at least, like, the way that I've learned how to, like, sing harmony is just, like, singing along to the radio or picking out a harmony part in the – of a lead line in a song as opposed to, like, okay, let me sing an ooh and ah and an e and whatever on on a whole note for a whole – for pages. How many Billy Joel songs did you have to do? Uh, I actually missed the only Billy Joel song that my acapella group did. I think they did it the year after. They did Vienna. Ah. 
So zero. Classic. Zero. So zero. Points. See that you know you're a survivor. I'm a survivor, and I, I made some honestly iconic, incredible friends. So like I can't complain. It's just like funny that I did acapella. Oh gosh. Well, Milo, as we start to wind down our episode here, I ask all of my guests this. Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions for me? Oh my god. Um This is now yeah. your podcast. This is my podcast. Yeah, this is all yours now, baby. What is the greatest question of morality that you've ever had to contend with on a personal level? Holy shit. Uh <laughs> <laughs> This is when I t- I'm like, well, I've saved someone's life. No, um, <laughs> question of morality. I think the biggest one that I've had to do so far uh, happened when I was 27, and I, in the middle of a mental break, fell for a um, telephone scam. One of the ones that's like, no, hey, we have yeah. your social security, um, and wiped my entire bank account clean of oh money my God, babe. D- did the whole thing and um that's awful yeah it wasn't great and i sat in a, a chopped in new york at uh i want to say union square with my like very best friend from childhood who was living in the city at the time with me as well and decided to like go back to oregon and like take mm-hmm. care of all of that like of course all of, all of the lead up and like how we got to there right so i think that was like the biggest one and probably the best thing that i've ever done for myself in my life um damn sorry that yeah. happened to you that's really insane yeah it's crazy it's bizarre it happened uh i'm on the other end and better now but right 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 they're right. very scary and when people are like ha 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 these things exist i'm like yep and they get people <laughs> damn whoa yeah did you take them down did you find hunt them down and destroy no. their lives so like fun fact about the entire thing um they were like virtually unable to like get back because like everything i did i did of my own volition uh-huh and uh so like a bank can't reverse any of that um whoa i can give the number to police but like that was gone by the time right everything was done um and other than that there's no like way to hunt them down or prove that anything happened because i did it technically technically isn't that crazy damn it yeah (laughs) that is so crazy yeah it's wild wow people are so crazy for doing that to other people it's nuts and i yeah i mean i fell for it so it's just like the the level of commitment from whoever called me on the phone they could you could win an oscar if you're the person who took all my money i i say it wasn't a lot of money to begin with like you should switch careers (laughs) damn yeah wow good answer i'm sorry that happened to you i'm glad you're on the other side thanks babe yeah. yeah should i do more questions you can if, you, of, if you've of, okay I'll, I'll do one more i'll do one more <clears throat> what is uh the last book that made you cry uh they read 
that or looked at or merely looked at. I would love. I'm like I looked at the cover. Where you Potter were hit with a book, wept. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Sorcerer's Stone and and J.K. Rowling's turfdom really, really just rocked me to my core, and I wept. Yeah. Um, the last book that I cried. I'm looking at all my books. I'm looking at all my books. Um, oh, it's called Memorial. It's by Brian Washington. Memorial by Brian Washington. Are you serious? Yeah. This man's name is Washington and his book is called Memorial. <laughs> you cannot make that shit up. But he made it up. But he, yeah, he chose that. Or maybe okay. a team chose that. Maybe the know. team was like Washington Memorial. Okay. <laughs> and it's uh, it's about a gay relationship and it's about uh, different racial backgrounds and how they mix and about just like how being queer fits into those things and about family and i don't know i loved it and i cried um and what else made me cry recently i cried (laughs) on the opposite end i cried reading uh mariah carey's book hell yeah the meaning of mariah carey uh the best thing i've read in years Um, i i I heard good things about that on on the on the podcast with john caramonica it is so good (laughs) it's one of my favorite books i'm not even like a lamb i'm not like the biggest mariah carey stan Uh in the world i know the hits and they exist um (laughs) there's 19 of them babe (laughs) she has 19 number one songs that she wrote that she wrote it's insane and it's just like i i cried just like learning about her as an artist and just like how much of it is her and how she creates and it, it's nice to read something where I feel like the artist is like finally exhaling and like mm-hmm. being them in a way that is controlled by them. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's underappreciated weirdly. Weirdly. Like, I like, like cried like, out weirdly. of pride. <laughs> I was like, I'm so proud of Mariah Carey. I'm like, Mariah doesn't, doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. No one can really hold a, a candle to her, her period. Like, Period. She she's in class of her own. Like there are other artists who are who are in the class of their own, but like she, like one thing that you'll notice in interviews is she's like always like, oh yeah, writing the song or I wrote the song. She'll always kind of reinforce this idea because people just think she's the singer, which she is. But it's like she, I think, I think honestly, predominantly, she wants to be known as a writer. Yeah, she just eats and breathes music, like the whole thing no gimmicks this is just like this is the voice that i have and how i use it in the way that i write easy it's so crazy change so many things like she's a big reason why there's rap features and pop songs like oh my god yeah i think that was mariah (laughs) totally that was her and mariah i think drake gets like a lot of cred deservedly so for like being this bridge between singing and rapping but like Early thousands, Mariah and Destiny's Child. If you go back and listen to those records, it is clearly like trying to fuse those two elements mm-hmm. in a really significant way. The writings on the wall, Destiny's Child, is like crazy, crazy, and I would say has like sixty percent rap in it. Like, yeah, no, Beyonce is like one of the best rappers alive. Yeah, and people forget. <laughs> people forget, and she's not out here trying to tell you that she's one of the best rappers alive because she knows it, but she is. <laughs> Oh, uh, God. 
That's a good place to. That's good. That's a good place. <laughs> yeah, Beyonce. Once you reach Beyonce, and Mariah, I don't know where you go after that. You know what I mean? Right. There's. You can only go down. You can only go down. So we're gonna end on end on top. Has two tops. Um, love on top with the, with two tops. Love on top with two tops. A new podcast <laughs> by Ryan and Milo. Um, this uh-huh. has been such a delightful little giggle and chat. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Where can the children find you? You can find me anywhere online. Uh, My handle is always Milo Music, M-Y-Y-L-O Music. And uh, you should check out my music on Spotify or Apple Music or Tidal or wherever you stream, honey. And then stream it once and buy it. Stream it once, buy it, and honestly, Venmo me $25, babe. At Milo Music is also my, my Venmo handle. <laughs> Always put your Venmo. Always put your Cash App. Always, Always be closing. You can find me on Venmo and Cash App. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, until next time, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.